You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Hey, good morning, River. Welcome, welcome. So good to see you guys this morning, and uh, I trust you're doing well. And uh, thankfully, we didn't get too much snow, so I'm kind of grateful for that. And uh, the guys were actually able to have breakfast yesterday. So, uh, ladies, I want you to know that real men really do eat quiche. So, you know, we've had like the last couple breakfasts, we've had some fantastic quiches. So I didn't know our guys are such good cooks. Amazing. So anyway, we had a good time. But uh, uh, this morning, as, uh, as we crank up and, and think about First Thessalonians, you know, as, as Paul was writing to the, the church, he was trying to help them to, to stand firm in their faith and stand in their life. Uh, following him, when Andy and I uh, were a few years ago, were putting that sign in, we, we dug two holes down four feet because we didn't, we didn't want to get below frost, right? You know, if, if you're a contractor, a builder, you know that when the ground moves, it freezes and thaws and moves. And if you want to put a, a post in or a sign for your fence or even the, the, um, the footings for a wall, you, you got to get down below frost. So we, we dug four feet. And to be honest with you, I thought this was all sand out here. I thought, you know, we're so close to the pine bush. Oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. And, and um, it was nothing but clay. And I mean, it was just one little chip at a time. I bet we spent most of the afternoon just digging two little sorry holes for that, that post. So we could put some concrete in it because at the end of the day, we didn't want to move in. To be honest with you, I didn't want people to know, well, that Pastor Sean put that sign in. Look at it, you know. It's, you kind of get what you pay for or whatever, you know. And uh, thankfully, it's held up pretty well since then. We all know that as we look at the Bible, God tells us to build our life in many different places. We should build our life in such a way that it stands. In fact, Jesus told the, 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 the story, he said that we should build our life upon the rock, not upon the sand, but upon the rock. Because when the storms and the waves of life come, and they will come, they will test what we really, the foundation of what we've built on. So this morning, as we look at 1 Thessalonians, Paul is really reminding the church that the rock that they built their life upon is the gospel. And he's writing back to them and he's telling them how he had invested so much for the gospel into their lives and that, that that's what they have believed in, that's what they've received, and he's, he's urging them and challenging them to do that. You know, I, I feel like at, 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 that I'm in the middle of a span. I, I remember my grandparents well, Both of, all four of them have, have since passed away, but you know, I kind of got a taste of their generation. And I heard a little bit of the stories when I was a kid of their parents, my great-grandparents. And then obviously I, I, I remember and know well my parents who are still living. And I've lived third generation in my life, and I feel like as my kids are kind of beginning their lives, that I'm in the middle of watching the, the fourth generation. I, I can tell you after watching four generations of Pierces, which is scary, <laughs> that the one thing, guys, that matters the most that you can absolutely build your life on is Jesus Christ. It is his gospel. Everything else in this world that could be important to you will absolutely let you down, will fail you, will absolutely fall apart. So this morning, I want us, us to look at three or four aspects about how the gospel of Jesus Christ 
how it impacts our life and things that we need to know to make sure that we've built our own life on this gospel or if you are in a family that you are currently building your family upon that gospel and that frankly that we as a church are doing that as well. So turn with me if you would and look at the book of First Thessalonians chapter 2 and we're going to look at verses 9 and following. So First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 9. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. Paul says this. He says, For you remember, brothers, our labor and our toil, that we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. That's what I'm, we're talking about this morning, the gospel of God. He says, You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner. In other words, live your life worthy of God. Not just any God, but the God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. He says in verse 13, We also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Pray with me, would you? Father, I thank you for the truths of this word and that we can build our lives in the gospel. Thank you that you have called us into your kingdom. And Father, I pray that, uh, that these words would help us to take uh, another step in our faith to help us to really look at how much the gospel is impacting every area of our lives. Lord, we want to be people that just uh, live out every aspect in a way that is worthy of you, in a way that reflects the glorious gospel of Jesus, the one who came and lived a perfect life, who died a sinless death in our place on the cross, taking our punishment rose again the third day, overcoming our sin, our death, our judgment, so that we could be forgiven and have a relationship with you. Father, that glorious gospel we are grateful for this morning. And I pray that you would help us to not just remember it, but to reflect on it specifically in our lives, how it's tangible and practically lived out day by day. I pray this in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul said in the book of Romans, Romans 1.16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Paul also later in, in 1 Corinthians 15, he was explaining and reminding the church in Corinth of what the gospel was. And he says that Christ died for our sins and was, on the, and was buried, and on the third day, rose according to the scriptures. He died on the cross for our sins according to those scriptures. When we think about the gospel, the gospel specifically is the good news about God sending his son Jesus Christ who died for our sins, who took our punishment on that cross, was buried, and three days rose again. And as we think about it this morning, the gospel is not something that you believe one time. It's not a message just to be received. It is a, a truth, a reality that should be lived out in our life 24-7, day in and day out. Whether or not we're sick, you know, I think we're in the sickness season. I'm hearing the stomach flus and hacking coughs and colds and flus and stuff. So, you know, everybody just kind of stay away. I wish holy water was really holy. 
holy. Like, I would totally shower everybody as they came in like hazmat. Wouldn't that be awesome if that worked? But, you know, uh, we truly, the gospel, no matter what condition we're in, whether we're sick or healthy, whether we're at work or at home, whether we're tired, whether we're at rest, the gospel is something to be lived out to impact everything in our life. So to kind of get that and help us to go a little bit further, to let it sink into our soul, into our life, and to kind of look at it, I want us to look at these four aspects this morning that Paul touches on here. First, I want you to, to recognize that for Paul, there is a, 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 an aspect of the gospel that needs to saturate into our lives, a, a gospel saturation, if you will. Look what Paul says in, in verse 9. He says this, he says, You remember our labor and our toil. We work day and night that we may not be a burden to you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Paul went into the town of Thessalonica. They had not heard of Jesus before ever. They didn't know anything about him. They were not followers of God. They were not Christians. They were not believers. They had no clue what the gospel was. And Paul says, hey, you guys, don't you remember when we came that we were with you constantly. We worked day and night. Now, Paul is also talking about, hey, I made tents. I worked for a living. And day and night, I was busy. You see, the gospel for those people wasn't a message that they just needed to hear. It wasn't a little outline that they needed explaining. It wasn't even a single sermon that they listened to. Paul spent a long time unpacking and explaining to them, helping them to get a picture of what that gospel was supposed to be about. That was a complete, the gospel is a complete change of worldview for most of us. Even if we've been raised in a Christian church in our life, been separated from God, we're still in the middle in our own mind and our hearts, the center of our own universe. And we still are, you know, kind of doing our own thing, doing our own way. And the gospel, when it comes and we begin to, to hear it, it runs right into us. And it's tough at times to kind of get our mind and our hearts wrapped around that. Paul says there needs to be a marinating effect, if you will. He says, you, you guys remember how I was with you night and day, and, and, and I, the gospel marinated into your life. There was a soaking, if you will. How many of you like to cook? I would not raise my hand. I like to eat. I think I've said it before, but I eat to live. I don't live to eat. I'm like one of those guys, you know. And uh, so I'm not a big cook, but, but you know how when you, so this is true disclaimer, all right? I've seen other people do this. I've never done it. Uh, but you know how like when you want to have a, a, a nice, uh, you know, a steak or a nice meal, you can marinate it, one of those things. I mean, you pull it off and it's sitting in there and it's for hours soaking in and all of those juices and everything. What Paul is saying is the gospel needs to be like that in our life. It's not something that you just take a little salt shaker and, you know, on the, on the meal. It's something that needs to soak and, and saturate into our life and into our soul. I'm saying this to us for a couple of reasons. Some of you this morning have not yet trusted Christ. You're in that saturation stage. You're in that saturation stage of trying to figure out, well, what does this really mean for me? Like, I get the message, Sean, I understand it, but really, what are the life's implications that this is all about? If you join a membership someplace, if you go to college someplace, if you take on a new job, you, you onboard into some new endeavor, you're trying to read the fine print. You're trying to figure out what exactly does this all mean for you? 
You see, sometimes uh, we, we think that the gospel is something that's just going to happen very rapidly, that somebody hears it for the first time and they get it and they trust Christ, and, and sometimes that does happen. But for some of you, the gospel is needed to saturate and it's needed to soak. You've needed to think about things. Some of you make decisions quickly. Some of you, quite frankly, make decisions very slowly. And a few of you don't ever like to make decisions at all. Don't look at the next person next to you because you'll give it away. But some of you are like that. Like, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what I want to do. But Paul is telling us that the gospel needs to saturate. But even in that saturation, there comes a point where which we say, we got enough. I want to make that decision and make that commitment to Christ. I say that for others of you who do know Jesus. You have friends and family in your life that need to see the gospel and begin to think about what it means in their, in their world. And they need time. They need exposure. They need a, a slowly. This is not a microwave event. For most people, when they think about what it really means to surrender their life to Jesus, to go all in and to give authority away from themselves, to kind of hand the keys of their life, the title deed of their life to another, that's a big deal. That's not something that we should do just flippantly or just, okay, I'll pray this little prayer. It is a, it is a big deal with life's implication. So for some of you, you need to be encouraged don't be discouraged when your friends or family, you know, seem to be just like, this isn't moving very fast or very quickly and they don't seem to get it. That's true. It has to, to kind of soak in. Now, mom and dad, we've been talking in our parenting class on Thursday night. This is important for you. Your primary job as a parent is to build your own life and your family around the gospel so that your kids are marinating in the gospel for their entire life while they're with you. You see, your biggest job in this world is not to make sure that they can get into MIT, that they're gonna have the best job in this world and become a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or whatever uh, they wanna do. Your number one job is to not make sure they have every opportunity for every sport under heaven. Your actual number one job is to represent God in their life and to live out the gospel in such a way that they see it, they smell it, they taste it, they're rolling in it, they're hearing it, they're living in the middle of it in your home. So that somewhere along the way, they finally come to that the point and they say, that makes sense. I really am jacked up and messed up. And I really have really blown it. But there's a God in heaven that I know loves me. And I've seen that love and I have felt that love from my parents. And I've seen how they've lived. And I want that same grace in my life. And I want God to own my life. You see, Mom and Dad, your, your job is to saturate your home with the gospel. Not just that you're sitting at every meal saying, hey, you know that Jesus died for you, right? And then he rose again, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the implications of the gospel. I'm talking about the implications that there's a God who loves us so much that he saved us and that there's the grace and the forgiveness and the life change and the respect and love that we live out and we live in a home that has those standards, but also has all of that grace and mercy that, that flows through it. And that they would see parents who are sold out to God and living in that relationship to Him and, and, and one another, that they would experience it. And they, would, they would look at the world around them and say, this world is a crazy mess. 
But when I look at my home, I see something that is right with mom and dad. Yeah, they may be a little out of touch. They may not know TikTok or what the latest, you know, the, the latest Snapchat or anything that's going on. And they may not be wearing, you know, like their clothes are a little out of style, but they mean well. But I know, I know, and their music's not so cool either, and I don't like their style, but I know they are the real deal. And I've seen the incredible gospel and grace of God in their life, and I love it. And I want that in my life as well. You see, the gospel needs to saturate into our lives, and it needs to saturate into the, the homes around us. So this morning, as we think about that, Paul is saying, hey, guys, I was with you. And it took a while for me to not just share the facts about the gospel, but to share implications in the life with that. And that has significant things for us to think about in our lives today. Second thing I want you to recognize, not only did Paul say that the, the, the gospel saturation, but I want you to notice, notice that he talks to them about gospel demonstration. And he reminds them, he says, and your witnesses in verse 10, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. He says, guys, you know that not only did I talk to you about that gospel of God, but I lived that gospel of God. My life before you was holy and righteous and blameless before you. You didn't just hear a message from me. I wasn't just a stranger, kind of a drive-by shooting. You know, I left you a little gospel track. You saw it in my life. You saw it demonstrated. You, you could see the the authenticity behind that. You see, when you and I live out the gospel, we're giving credibility, credence to the people around us that it is true. It's true. We're actually doing two things. When we live, out, when we live our life at work, our life should be just totally saturated, like our actions and our responses before our coworkers and our friends and our bosses and the people we supervise or, or your fellow students and your professors and the staff at school, they should recognize that there is something a little bit different about you. As we've talked before, not weird. Some of us are weird, and I'm one of those, but just different, that there's a, a respect and a love and a joy and a peace that the gospel of God has is, is changed your life so much. And when we live that way, it does two things for people that don't know Jesus. One, it lets them see what will happen in their life when they do trust Jesus. And that will encourage many of them to trust Christ. Two, it will give an authenticity to that truth. You see, people need to see what the gospel looks like. They need to feel what it is. They need to see what it's like. One of the, our favorite movies that we like to watch is The Blind Side. You, you, know, you guys know the story. It's a, a sports football movie, true story. And uh, Sandra Bullock is, plays the, the mom in the movie. And, and basically, she and her husband adopt this, hung, uh, this homeless teenage boy, this uh, young man in high school. And he turns out being a terrific football player, ends up getting drafted. Anybody remember who drafts him? Was it the Giants? I don't remember. Ravens. That's right. Ravens. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, and so, ph phenomenal football player. But there's a scene in there when he's homeless, and they invite him over to Thanksgiving dinner and spend time at, his at their house. And, and he, he only has like a couple pairs of shorts and a couple of T-shirts and doesn't have any clothes. And she finally at the Thanksgiving table says, I'm going to take you shopping and show him how it's done. And uh, he's a big guy and tall. And there's only like one store in town, apparently, that can fit him. And, 
And you know, and she's chatting them up with like this whole shopping strategy. To be honest with you, I didn't know there was a strategy to shopping. I just thought you see, you know what you're after, you see it, you get it, you get out. You know, there's none of this shopping is not a thing, you know, it's a search and destroy kind of mission. But <laughs> she's telling them, and while she's at the store, she's like, you know, there's one thing that I know. If you try it on and you don't like it at the store, the store's where you like it the most, because you want to say, you put it on, you say, is this me? You know, and my kids and I, they just laugh, you know, just that's the way she's like, is this me? You know, I, I don't do that if I've ever tried anything on. I'm not, you know. So here's the deal. When you live the gospel and it has changed your life, the people around you that don't know Jesus are looking at your life and they're trying to get a picture of what that will look like in their life. And they need to see it. They don't need to just hear it. The gospel needs to be demonstrated. They need to get a picture that they can be who they are and whatever that looks like in whatever way that they can be who they are, but they can be a child of God, a follower of God. And you and I are that living example, that, that living picture before them. And we also give authenticity to it. We give a credibility to it. A study was done in the last couple of years with MIT. Uh, researchers did a, a study about how fast fake news travels on Twitter. And they studied like 126,000 some odd stories that were kind of contested. And they came to the conclusion that a fake news story will reach 15, I think it's 1,500 people six times faster than a true story is. Fake news always travels faster than real news. All right? Paul says, look, you know that this gospel is true and real. You saw it. You know where it came from. We live in a day and age where news and articles and ideas get passed along, and there's so much fake news. And on top of it, there's so much news people saying they're experts, and they're not. You don't see their life. you got no clue if they even know what they're talking about. I've seen articles in, in popular... Not, I'm not talking about the... The ridiculous news sites, I mean legitimate news, news outlets and, you know, somebody saying, well, I'm a mom of three and I've got a degree in this and therefore you should listen to me because of whatever. And I'm like, that doesn't mean anything. I've seen lots of smart people that do dumb things. You know, why should I listen to you just because of that? Paul says the gospel, you saw it demonstrated. You know who I lived and you saw the changes that it did in my life, that I lived before you in righteousness and truth and, and, and holiness. You had it demonstrated. Guys, if you want to see people in your life trust Jesus and take that step, you have to live it with full authenticity and full demonstration. Mom and dad, when you have kids in your home, they need to see the gospel in action. There needs to be no difference between what they hear in Sundays and what you are striving to live on Monday. They need to not see any difference between what you tell them and what you do. You see, when our children hear the spiritual religious side of things, they hear us talking about God and the gospel, but they don't see it demonstrated in reality, it, it usually pushes towards rebellion. Because kids are smart and they figure stuff out. If it doesn't push toward rebellion, it will ultimately push them towards despair to where they just say, well, that God thing didn't work for my mom and dad. 
It sure doesn't seem to be working out in my family, so I'm not going that way. I'm going to do my own thing. See, despair and rebellion are kind of twin sisters, if you will, in a child's heart. Most kids tend to go one of the two, two ways. The very compliant kids, who are kind of just good kids and don't cause a lot of trouble, tend to go toward despair. And, and they're actually both the same issue. They both are living, uh, without, living life as if God's not there. Rebellion says, God's not there, I'm going to do my own thing. Despair says, God's not out there and I have no hope. And I'm going to worry and I'm going to be afraid and I'm going to stress and have such just crippling whatever in my life. And when mom and dad, you see, we have to be helping them understand that the gospel is not just something we believe, but it's something that radically changes our life, our whole life. Is centered out of that. And when you put a kid in the middle of that world, they're supposed to see it, not just hear it, but see everything. The gospel has to be demonstrated in their life. So for you and for me, that's a, a challenge for us to make sure that everything in our life is lived out of that. Third thing, Paul says, not only do we need, does the gospel need to kind of soak in and saturate, not only does it need to be demonstrated, but there's a process of a maturity that needs to happen, a gospel maturation, if you will, a maturity. Look what Paul says. He goes on and he says in, in verse 11, he says, For you know how, like a father with his children, it's significant, we exhorted each one of you, encouraged you, and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, which he calls you, who calls you into his kingdom and his glory. Paul tells us in a very short sentence what you and I are supposed to focus on after we know Jesus. You want to know what the end goal of our maturing of life is like? That we would live our life worthy of God in heaven in every way. Nothing compartmentalized. Well, I'm going to live worthy here, but not here. I'm going to do spiritual stuff here, but not here. I'm going to live worthy publicly, but privately, you know, it's okay. it's okay. God understands. God knows. No, Paul says, guys, I charge you. I urge you like a father to a son. Hey, kid, get this. I love you. I'm going to help you. And I'm, you, you are my kid, and this is what you're going to do. You need to live a life that's worthy of God. How many of you still get a paper newspaper at home? Does anybody get that anymore? A couple of you? Two fam three families, wow, that is interesting. That is a job that is going away. I was a paper boy when I was a kid. The day's coming when, you know, paper boy, what is that? Yeah, you know those newspapers that you're in, articles that you can read? They actually used to be a physical paper that you could wake up every morning and get one. It was the coolest thing. And when I was uh, in middle school and high school, I, uh, I was a paper boy. I delivered newspapers every day, the Torrington uh, Register. And uh, I think, as I recall, Thursday was the day that I collected the money. So most people are off at work, and they leave the little envelope, you know. And I like people that were responsible that way. Pay your bills, you know. I didn't like the people I had to come home at 8 o'clock at night and snowing and knock on their door, you know. Can I have a dollar fifty-three, please, to pay for, you know, the near newspaper for this past week? And there would always there was one a little old lady that would always leave me a cookie, maybe even two cookies, as I recall, and give me a little tip, right? Cookie is an awesome tip for a paper boy. It's an appropriate kind of thing, right? For a paper boy. Get the picture. Paul says this. We are to live our life in such a way that is worthy of God. 
I never expected to get a $1,000 tip. I really didn't. I've seen some of those stories of, you know, servers will be, somebody will give them $1,000 and it blows them away because they know that's extravagant and way beyond what should be reasonable and expected. Here's the deal. We're to live our life worthy of God. God, this is not a paper boy. This is not a server. This is not our boss. This is not our spouse even. This is God. And Paul says, look, this gospel in your life needs to get to the point where you're living every area of your life in a way that is worthy of God in heaven. If you're an engineer, then be an engineer for God in heaven. If you're an accountant, be an accountant for God in heaven. If you're a student studying in that class, study in a way that is worthy of God in heaven. Make the whole focus of your life. You see, the gospel of God is not a thing in our life. It's not even the main thing in our life. It is the thing. Paul says our whole life should be lived out in a way that is worthy of God. And not just any God, but the God who calls us into his kingdom. This word kind of goes along with that word choosing we talked a couple of weeks ago. God not just inviting us, but God summoning us. We were in our own kingdom. We were in our own mess. And this God who pulls up out of that cesspool of life and sin and darkness and hideousness, and he says, come up and be with me and be my child and rule and reign with me and live in glory with me. We should live worthy of that God. Everything in our life, every morning as we get up in the morning, God, I want to live today for you. I want to live in a way that's worthy of you. God, this is my, my work has gotten hard. God, but I want to live worthy of you. God, my boss is riding my back, and I don't think I can do what she wants me to do. But God, can, would you just help me to do my best to honor you today? God, I don't know if I'm going to pass this exam. But God, I want to I do this and live for you, whether I pass or fail. God, I want my whole life to be lived in honor of you. You see, the gospel for us, guys, saves us from our sin. It changes our life. It makes us different. And Paul lived that out and modeled that. But it puts a whole different maturity, a whole different spin on life to where we, we live for the God of heaven. We don't live for ourselves. For those of you who don't yet know Jesus, there's a count the cost in here. You know, whenever I fly, uh, I want to make sure I get on the right plane because it's a bad day if I want to go to Chicago and I end up in Dallas. Now, I don't know if that's really possible or not anymore with, you know, technology and you get beeped in and everything scanned. But there was a day where that was a lot more possible. That's a bad day. I want to know where the plane that I'm getting on is where it's headed. For those of you that have not yet trusted Christ, this plane that you're considering, whether or not you really want to give your life to Jesus and be forgiven of your sins, yes, it will reorient your whole life. You will not be in charge. You will live for another. Now, what I can tell you is, is God is the most awesome thing in this world, and it's worth every bit of it, and it's a privilege to live in such a way, my life, that's for something way bigger than anything I could ever produce. Way bigger. I love that. So I think it's awesome. But you need to realize you are talking about surrendering your life to the Lord of heaven. For the rest of us, this is a kind of a wake-up call to make sure, guys, this is really about him. The gospel is about living our life before God. At the end of the day, 
Every decision you make, every moment that you live, you're either living for God or yourself. Living God for God or something else. Everything. So I want to challenge you this morning. What's your motivation in your life and in your world? Are you really consciously saying, God, you are what's most important in this decision I'm making. God, you're what's most important in my relationship. God, I'm making my decision based on you. Or are you not? And I urge you to, like Paul says, live in such a way that everything that, that matters, everything is to honor God. Fourth thing, and I'm done. There's a gospel fortification, a strengthening that Paul tells us here in, in verse 15 or 13 and following. He says, we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, you, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. You cannot separate the gospel from the Bible. Impossibility. The Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 is about the gospel. It's about God loving us and sending his son Jesus to die for us. You can't separate out God's word. They received the gospel of Jesus, but it, they received it because they received those words as the word of God, not as people. There's so many today and so much debate about the Bible and trumped up with this or that and listen, with all the noise and everything, it comes down to one or two things. The Bible is either God's word, and we can trust it and rely on it, every bit of it, or it's not. And we ought to throw it away and forget it. Sometimes people are trying to be religious and be in the middle ground. Why? I'm truly not being silly. I'm being, being honest. Why? If it's not God's word, why bother? Let's go do something else. Let's go skiing today or snowmobiling or sleeping in or late lunch at the local diner or whatever, right? And if it is God's word, we ought to be all in with it. Like none of this middle ground stuff, it ought to be one or the other. One or the other. It is either everything or it's nothing. Paul said, you receive this word as what it really is, the words of God. You can never separate the two. You receive this gospel because you receive this word of God. Now, this word of God is not an ordinary thing. Paul goes on and says, he explains what this, about this. He says, this word of God, which is at work in you believers. See that verse 13? At work in you. God's word, the Bible says in Hebrews 4, is alive. It, it, it lives in us. Those truths sink into our, the soil of our life. And they, they re, it removes sin. It purifies us. It has a cauterizing effect into our soul. It has a healing effect into the wounds of our soul and our past. And the Word of God is, is, is alive. It's, it's active, Hebrews talks about. It works. It is a powerful force within us. And Paul says, he explains what this means a little bit more, and we won't take time to read all of it, but in, in verse 14 on to through verse six, 16, he says, look, here's how I know is it working you. You guys follow Jesus in the middle of tremendous persecution. In fact, the same persecution that the apostles and Jesus faced when he was crucified. And you endured that because that word of God was powerful and it strengthened you and it fortified you. You and I need to realize that with this gospel that we have in our life, through God's word, 
grows and it influences everything in our life. That's really the source of our life change. That gospel is what strengthens us that no matter what the challenges that we face, we will be strong enough to endure. I don't know of too many things that threaten my, uh, that are worse than my life being threatened or the life of a loved one being threatened. You know, if I total my car, so be it. If I lose a job, so be it. If I, whatever, right? If I'm having a bad hair day, I'm having a lot of bad hair days these days, so be it. If I face cancer, it doesn't compare to someone else threatening my life or those that I love. If the gospel of Jesus and the word of God is able to make us strong in those situations, and it's an issue of our just simple faith to, to hey, we either love Jesus and die or just give up Jesus and do something else. We make a conscious choice to do that. If the gospel and God's word is able to strengthen us there, it's able to strengthen us everywhere. You see, for you and for me, the gospel in our life is all about the Word of God. You see, we should read the Bible not just to understand it. We should read the Bible to live it, but to allow it to come into us and to change everything about us. Think of it like this way. You may sit down and have dinner, you know, and you get some protein and whatever it is you're eating, and there's going to be some vitamin A and C and all the nutrients and all the stuff that I don't know anything about. It's your body needs that, right? We, we don't think about that as much. We tend to think about, oh, I like this taste or I like this sauce or whatever, right? So the Word of God, when we take it in and we read it every day, it is filled with truths that we need just practically to give us the wisdom and the discernment, because the Word of God is sufficient for all of our needs every day. If you don't eat a meal regularly, you begin to starve and become anemic. You begin to lose those nutrients. When you and I neglect God's Word in our life, we, we lose all of those nutrients, all of the amazing truths in our lives. Mom and Dad, as you think about building your family, that's a gospel-saturated world. You can't do that without you bring, yourself bringing the Word of God to bear in your family's life. You have, you have to bring those out. Your, your job is to mine that stuff. Just like in other areas of life with your kids, you're to, you're to lead out in it. And Dad, that's your job. Paul says, hey, you know that like a father, we were really working at this with you guys. And Dad, that is our job to lead that way even now but to mine those truths and help your kids to know those things, the, the amazing things that God tells us, like in Proverbs, that, uh, that we are to, to trust in the Lord with all our heart and not to lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge Him, and He will promise direct our paths. He says in Peter that we are to cast all our care upon Him because He cares for us. He is, we may boldly say that the Lord is my helper elsewhere. The Bible talks about like all the just incredible truths that we're to bring those to bear into our kids' lives so they see it and they get it. They're messed up. They are like little us. We're messed up. And God wants our homes to be in such a way that the gospel is clear to them. So they take those steps of faith 
and they see what it means and they live differently. And quite frankly, when they grow up, they have an easier time living this gospel than you did. And that their kids, they continue that trend and they pass it on forward. So this morning, I'm not sure exactly what your God is speaking to your heart about or which one of these things in which you land, but God tells us this morning that our lives are to be about the gospel. Are you focused in and saturating your life in that? Are you allowing God to do that? Are you taking those implications and what does the gospel say to me and my relationship and my neighbor? What does the fact that Jesus gave his life for me mean to me and my relationship with my wife, with my kids? Are you really living that out? Are you demonstrating it? Are you looking at others to model it for you and receiving what you see in their life? Are you growing in that? Are you really living in your life in that way? If there was any, answer this question, is there, if there was any area in your life right now that you were not really committed to honoring God in, that you were pursuing more than you were God, what would that be? If there's any area that would pull you off of that focus, what would it be? I challenge you, if there's something that's coming to mind, to pray about that and say, God, I want you to be first even in that area. And bring that before him and take steps to grow. Where are you with God's word? Are you finding the strength that you need to live that out in every area? Whatever God is speaking in your heart this morning, our music team's going to come up. And we're going to have a song that is meant just to honestly to help us to focus and make some commitments in our heart. So pray with me, would you? Father, I thank you for the gospel of Jesus. Thank you that he loves us. And Lord, I need these truths in my life tremendously. Father, I have not lived uh, at all perfectly in any of these areas. But Lord, I'm grateful that your grace is great enough to cover even that. But Father, help us to not just stay there and wallow in our past failures, but to just bring them to you, find your forgiveness and your grace, Father, may we each this morning take a step forward. Lord, whatever decisions that need to be made this morning, whether it's not just simply saying, God, I believe, I, I give up, I trust Jesus, or whether it's us living that out differently, or whether it's helping others around us to live that out, I pray that you'd help us to take each one of us today a step. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.